Hello and welcome to <laughs> Camouflaging the Cannon, episode 44. Our, uh, our our top five RPGs, and that's individual, so like ten technically. Also, technically ten. We didn't pre-establish who was introducing the podcast. I mean, it's a it's a both of us episode, so I assumed you were doing it, like because you always do it when it's a yeah. I got confused. <laughs> Did you get confused because I actually like came prepared and I only usually do that for my episodes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm out here going like, I'm going to wing it. It's fine. It's cool. I know about the RPGs I've played. I don't need to go into detail. I It's it's less that I don't know and more that I know I'll forget something that I want to talk about. Right, so. right. That yeah. I make notes because my brain is just a vacuous hole. Oh, important. Yeah, but that's... Before I also, get past also, that <laughs> No, we're just going to leave that one there. Also, hey, I'm V slash Vela slash Rin slash Three Dogs in a Trench Coat who are all very confused right now. Woof, woof, woof. And I'm Glaive. <laughs> <laughs> or Danny. Or whatever. I don't care. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, important caveat for our top five RPGs. 5e of the Dungeons and Dragons will not be included in either of our top five RPGs. You know all those times that we've said other RPGs are available. This is the this, episode. This is it. This is it. This is the episode. Um No, I just thought it'd be it'd be good to kind of like look at other RPGs because everyone like obviously everyone knows about D&D. Everyone knows. If about you're D &D. in the RPG spaces already, you know what that's about. <laughs> right? You can't avoid it. And even if you're not in the RPG spaces, you've got some awareness of it because of Stranger Things, because of Critical Role, you know, it is it is long forgotten its roots of of being the the thing that you do in the basement with your friends whilst your mum shouts at you kind of thing mm -hmm. into a very kind of popular medium, essentially all of its own. People have copped on like, hang on, this is actually fun guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, and we talk about D and D a lot. Like, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've all noticed, but we talk about D and D a lot. Here's the hilarious thing. When we talk about the Dungeons and Dragons, we are, more often than not talking about the lore than we are the mechanics. Absolutely. And even when we talk about the mechanics, it's more likely that we're talking about the mechanics reflection of the lore. <laughs> yes. So it's all about what yeah. we are. Yeah. We are a lore podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, we are a story, story oriented podcast, realistically. Yeah. Um, But you know but you know but my point is with that though is that fifth edition is a, is an engine we don't talk about the engine that much <laughs> we don't talk about the engine that much that's true um but there are other engines that may be better suited to the stories that you want to tell yeah Okay. So we're just gonna shine a little spotlight on some of those RPGs because I we we between us we've played quite a few different systems and uh, had a lot of fun. Hell yeah! <laughs> so um, I'm I'm gonna start. The, I I put these in an order. I don't necessarily think this is the order that I'm gonna stick with, but I'm gonna <laughs> read them in the order that they're written down. Otherwise, I'll get myself confused. Meanwhile, um, I have no order whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so the first one that I want to mention is a system called Kids on Bikes, um, which is basically, and, and the best way I can sum it up is, it is Stranger Things if it was British and nobody had superpowers. It is literally kids on bikes, solving mysteries, beating up criminals. I say beating up, but you know what I mean. Like it's very much like you play as children who are wrapped up in a in a in a spooky little mystery. Um and it's a lot of fun. It's super fun as a result because you know, you're not these overpowered heroes of of your you're just a bunch of kids who like have got like three hours before you have to go home for dinner time and you you know there's a big foot on the loose and you're like ah shit we've got to deal with this very goonies very goonies it's very again and and again you you will have different experiences depending on who's running the game somebody might make it more horror themed and it might be less goonies and more you know, literally Stranger Things. Or, or Scooby-Doo. <laughs> or Scooby-Doo. You might go the comedy route. Or you might decide to adapt it to a, a different story of children running around doing things. For example, the game of Kids on Bikes that I have played was a a very different version of Narnia. Ah. <laughs> uh, we basically played through Narnia, but where we were making the decisions for the children. And it was amazing. It was absolutely fantastic. Genuinely very, very fun. One of us died. Um, But it's Narnia, so uh, we fixed that. (laughs) uh, I'm just imagining Aslan the Lion. We're like, oh, oh no, one of the kids died. Not great for the prophecy. We'll work through it. We'll fix it. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, Well, here's the thing. Aslan didn't like us very much because we came in very much with the mentality of um, better red than dead, comrade. And and we ended up brokering a deal with him where he had to come to our birthday parties. He had to show up for five minutes and bring us a present. And then we would leave him alone. Okay. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It's in in very much in the same vein of of, of most RPG stories. You had to be there. Um, you gotta. You're just messing with fantasy Jesus. Oh, absolutely, a... absolutely. Fuck fantasy Jesus. I just, you know, I don't. I'm not beholden to a fucking lion. New merch. <laughs> <laughs> fuck fantasy Jesus. I yeah, that would be very good. Um, but yeah, it's so so. The stat system is um you pick between like you have your fight flight brains brawn charm and grit and essentially the die system is if you are really good at something you have a bigger die if you are rubbish at something you have a d4 Mm -hmm. um but it is mostly like this this the stats are there to kind of uh, as as with many kind of storytelling based rpgs the stats and the dice are there to help facilitate the storytelling they're for the decisions, the big decisions that you make. But for the they most part... They are but the scaffolding upon which we place our stories. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's it's flexible, it's collaborative, and it has the power to make the very ordinary seem extraordinary. And I just think it's a very fun, very good system that needs to be hyped out more. Um, but yeah, it's it's great, and I love it. And um, fuck Aslan. <laughs> 
podcast. Oh, poor Liam Neeson, Aslan. <laughs> no, okay, no, okay, right. I mean, okay, my my Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe rant is for another day. I'll be real, because otherwise we'll be here forever. Uh, but in in the in the Kids on Bikes version of mm-hmm. <laughs> Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he was not a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a dick and um, we just decided that it wasn't fair for everyone to be ruled by him if they didn't want to be right so you know we 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 brought communism to the party and uh <laughs> decided just... that, that everyone should you know get a get a fair say so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep <laughs> worked out pretty well for us we did we did kill aslan and bring him back just to prove a point I mean, it's not the first time. <laughs> like, we last. actually killed him and then immediately brought him back and went, are you listening to us now? Um, <laughs> we were we were kids who'd been through some shit at that point, so, you know, it's it's all fair. It's, it's you know, it's what it is. Anyway, anyway. Tell, us, tell us about an RPG, Glaive. Uh, I'm going to tell you about Everyone is John. Wait. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard of this. Yeah. But I now can't unsee this as Everyone is John the Cat. Yeah, no, I've had that thought. <laughs> I've had this discussion exactly with Jane. Uh, <laughs> just everyone is John the cat. But okay. the normal game of everyone is John is everyone is playing one character, one human being named John. Wow. And yeah, it's a very simple RPG to the point where it's one of those, like, I think it's like two pages. So technically one sheet of page on both sides. <laughs> you you really want to extend the metaphor. Um, okay. But uh, it's super easy to play. I don't think there's even any dice rolling in it. It's just you're all voices in poor John's head. And you're all trying to get something done. Everyone has a goal. Mm -hmm. You choose what that goal is. uh, Depending on how difficult that goal is to accomplish. Depends on how many points you get. For uh-huh. accomplishing it. So let's say I want to burn down a building. That's a goal. It's not going to be easy. Compared to I want to pet all of the pets. <laughs> I mean you say that's not easy. Uh, I'm still I'm still doing my best on that one. Right. Yeah I know. No but all, petting all the pets and pets is a much easier goal to accomplish than burning down a building. Yeah I'll give you that I'm one. Saying. I'll like, give you that one. Also friends please don't set buildings on fire no but everyone is john things like that happens all the time like Uh you can have your goal be anything it could be i want to chop down every tree i see or i want to uh steal all the things (laughs) it's like all right cool (laughs) um i had one person who was just like i want to put on as many pairs of pants as i can okay sure yeah you can facilitate the players as much or as little as you want the players don't get to know where the game starts you decide as a game master where you start and you can start anywhere like we're starting in a zoo or a hardware store or uh, the beach or scotland (laughs) like (laughs) 
it can be anywhere mm-hmm. you want it to be. Uh, and then the players have to kind of take what you give them and, and try and figure out how they're going to accomplish their goals from that. And I feel like much like any good story, it's about the journey, not the destination. So if there's no dice involved, how do you decide who gets to take control? Take control. So the way the game works after um, everyone has the willpower, which is everyone starts with 10 willpower tokens. Everyone kind of bids for control before knowing where John is waking up, what situation they're in. All of that jazz. Uh, you literally take the amount, any number between one and ten. You can bid all your points if you wish. Don't do that. That's silly. <laughs> uh, and the person who has the most bid gets to take control. Only the person who's bid loses all of their tokens. From there, you have to you basically do your obsession, the thing that you're trying to accomplish. You, there is dice. I am wrong. You have to roll for success if you're trying to do something that might fail. You roll a d6. It's always a d6. You need to get a 6 on it to succeed. Unless you have a skill that's relevant, you get skills as well. You only get one unless you choose free, in which case you you start with 7 willpower instead of 10. I'm just mm-hmm. explaining the rules at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so as, as one of the, the kind of the, the, the beans in his head, Mm-hmm. You have certain abilities, skills, which um, can be anything. Which can be which can be anything. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> you just write down a short description of the skill, like drives well. Amazing, <laughs> love that. Or something like that, and that's if you have three, you just start off with less willpower at the beginning. Instead of yeah. ten, you get seven. Okay. The game ends if John dies, or you everyone is out of willpower. Okay. <laughs> That I, that I'm really struggling because his name is John, and when you said if John dies, I felt a little stab in my heart of no, not the cat. But <laughs> genuinely, I'm really struggling with this concept that this John is a a, a human a being John. and not a cat. <laughs> you can play everyone as John Carpenter's the thing. <laughs> I feel like that would be a a very silly, very. Oh, I'm running that at some point. Like, not just playing the cat, but literally playing I mean, the John, cat yeah, that is John also... Yeah, John is the thing. Yeah. That like actual also a cat. <laughs> that can <No>. shapeshift. <laughs> shapeshifting cat. So just playing John. Yeah. Right. Precisely. Yeah, no, I'm doing this now. This is going to be either a future episode of this podcast or just me <laughs> running it in general. Amazing. I'm here for it. Hey, are you interested? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, like I said, I, I just have a distinct memory of one person choosing I want to put on as many pairs of pants as possible. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I made them roll every single pair of pants and they kept succeeding in putting them on to the point where the next player who gained control over John uh, was like, do I have to roll to remove all of these? Like, no, no, you can just slide <laughs> out those. I'm not going to ruin the fun of like your turn by making you take off all of these pants. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just imagine like, just like, I don't know what the, the, the next person's obsession was, but like the pants are like counterproductive to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm wearing so many pants. It's one of the few RPGs where you can actively mess with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that it's it's 
it's cooperative in air quotes. Yeah. In the sense that you I all mean, share the same body, so you have to cooperate on some level. Yeah, like the cooperation is don't but that's it. kill John. Yeah, but that's it. That's <laughs> it, right? That's just you know everything else is kind of fair play. I also like from the sounds of it, it just sounds like the kind of game where you can kind of cut loose a bit yeah. because it's exploring like really dumb ideas with no consequences. Exactly. It's it's a free form just cog wild kind of game it's not mm-hmm. meant for serious storytelling or anything like that it's just like you are a person with many voices in head go and cause chaos <laughs> i think i will cause problems on purpose <laughs> i'm here for that energy all um, right tell me about your next game speaking of silly causing problems on purpose have you heard of a man called grant howitt yeah <laughs> <laughs> we may have mentioned him a few times and you may be aware of his um like just breakout success story one page rpg called honey heist but i'm mm-hmm. not going to talk about honey heist today no that honey heist is on neither of our lists i know which is <laughs> honestly i kind of assumed that you were going to put it on your list so i put adventure skeletons on mine because i don't really like adventure skeletons um and then you didn't. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, I guess I guess it's not. No, I put Adventure the bigger Grant Howitt thing on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Adventure Skeletons! Have you ever looked at a dungeon full of skeletons and wondered, I wonder what these guys get up to when the adventurers aren't around? Well, you're in luck. <laughs> There's a one-page RPG for that. You are basically skeletons who decide you're bored of defending a dungeon and want to become adventurers, and you wander off into a human dungeon, also known as a village. <laughs> oh. And you just you just do dumb shit, and it's great. I th- that's it. That's the that's the premise. Whatever happens after that, it's book wild. We don't know what's going on. Um, so the system is really simple, it's 2D something. No, sorry. I I tell a lie. It's D10. It's 1D10. 1D10. 1D10, and sometimes you can add a thing if you have uh, a specific bonus. Um, so you when you build your character, not literally, but you could because you're a skeleton. Um, mm-hmm. When you build your character, you have an ancestry. So what were you when you were alive? Um, and that gives you pluses to specific things like... For example, orcs are, they get a plus one to hitting and shouting. We lean into the stereotypes here, but we do it with fun and joy on our faces. Um, goblins get a plus one to sneaking and running away, which, you know, it's fair. Uh, you've also got elves, dwarves, humans, and, of course, skeletons. Of course. You know, that you, would be... you may be a purebred skeleton, yeah. you know? Um, in which case you get plus one to skeleton knowledge and culture. Because, you know, skeleton culture is very important. You also get a piece of equipment, whether that is armor or whether that is a weapon. Depends on a roll of the die. Um, you can also find stuff in the quote-unquote human dungeon, as you would in a regular dungeon, that may mm-hmm. be beneficial to you. Here's the thing. Right. You're a skeleton. You're slow. If somebody tries to hit you, 
they hit you. This is not a you get to you you are gonna get hit. That that's it. If they yeah. try, they succeed. That's it. They do not miss. Um you have a the the character sheet is a picture of a skeleton with hit boxes <laughs> on each of the limbs and the things. I have in the past drawn out a version of this and converted it into a fillable PDF <laughs> because I had nothing better to do. It was a Monday. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you have a certain number of hitboxes assigned to each part of your body. Once all of the hitboxes have been filled, you lose that body part. I do want to say that I appreciate, like, the fact that in the illustration it, that the skeleton is giving thumbs up and also it feeds my like desire to play Skeletor in all games. <laughs> so the so the class in classic Grant Howitt style in his one page RPG, he drew the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very cute little skeleton that's just like, yeah, he's got his thumbs up, he's having a grand old time. Um I drew that. I just I didn't copy it per se but it's a very similar style um you can also um if you lose a body part so for example they hit you twice on the leg your leg's gone damn that's annoying but there's a broom over there that'd make a perfectly good leg Mm -hmm. just whack it on job's good yeah you can do that it's dumb it's silly it's slapstick comedy it's MacGyver skeleton. <laughs> MacGyver skeleton. Um, I have run a game of adventure skeletons where they ended up basically Voltroning this. Oh lord! The bits of them that were left <laughs> to make one like big old skeleton situation. It was a mess. It was a it was a hot mess, and uh, we drew it out on the whiteboard that was available to us. And I sent a picture of it to Grant Howe and went, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> and he went, that's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Grant Howe approved Voltron, but skeletons. Um, it's a, But yeah, it's a really simple system to pick up. It's very much in the same vein as a lot of his one-page RPGs. It's the story goes where you want it to go. You just, you just have fun with it. It's silly enough to encourage people at the table to try something new whether that is getting them to try role playing as a skeleton whether that is getting them to try a voice i have found (laughs) not everyone not everyone can do skeletal what (laughs) but everyone will try something and I think that's why it's one of my favorites. And I think that's why I prefer it to Honey Heist is that every game of this that I have run, everyone has been brave enough to try something a little bit out of their comfort zone compared to D&D. Meanwhile, I run Honey Heist and I just have someone playing Truckkun, the truck that kills anime characters to make them go into isekai genre. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, I had I different I did, tables, different outcomes. <laughs> right. In fairness, the last Honey Heist game I ran, I think um we had a panda pretend to be a cow. I mean, sneak in. it was really it was really good except for the fact that he thought that cows went cluck. 
Okay. He was a bear. He didn't know any bears. Sure, sure, sure. Also, he thought all of the uh, the drain pipes were bamboo. So he, he, he blew his cover pretty quickly. But he was one of the only ones who got out alive. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Anyway. Um, but yes, I I adore it. I adore it. It's very silly. It's very slapdash. It's very just go with it kind of thing. And I I have a lot of fun running those kind of games because I like to see where the players want to go. And I go, yeah, all right then. <laughs> All right, let's go in this direction. Let's see what nonsense we can find over here. Um, and it's very, it's it, because it's just a one shot. It's, you know, no stakes. If you die, you die. If you, if you find out that the, the skeleton that this entire village have been terrified of this whole time is your mate, Jeff. Um, these things happen, you know? Yeah. It was a player who was late. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> they got to that point and then he just kind of, like, he just got in and he was just like, oh, man, what are you guys doing here? You're ruining my whole gig. <laughs> it was great. Um, but, yeah, it's great. It's just very silly. Um, Honorable mention to all of Grant Howitt's RPG, oh, one-page RPGs. Let's be real. Um, honey yeah, Heist, of course. Like, good. Honey Heist, Big Gay Orcs, uh, Drunken Bear Fighters. Anything like honorable mention out the wazoo? <laughs> yeah, uh, was it was the sexy battle wizards? Sexy battle wizards. I haven't yeah. run that one, but you know it's on the list. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll be real. There's a lot of them that I haven't run that I want to. Um, there's a bird one. Oh, bird crimes. Bird crimes. Bird crimes is a brilliant one. I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, what was the latest one that came out that was based on from software games? Um. I weird don't know little weird little guy or something my dad's called. <laughs> uh, oh, what was it? How it? Um, but they tend to be uh, very good. Uh, Fucked easy... up little guy. Oh. Fucked up little man. That's what it's nice. called. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, but yeah, they, they tend to be very easy to pick up and just very easy to run. From a from a DM yeah. perspective, um, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, ah, D- Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition sounds imposing and too much, and I don't know anyone that already knows how to play, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, pick up one of Grant Howard's RPGs. That's the easiest way of getting into the kind this this hobby because it's just like all the information is on one page. <laughs> go, it's, it's it's super easy, it's super great. Just grab it and go. Um, and you might find that some of your friends like doing that kind of thing, and maybe you want to do something a little bit more long form. And hey, presto, Dungeons and Dragons! <laughs> Look, you find yourself a group. Anyway, hey. adventure skeletons at your at local bookshops now. Um, not yeah, not yeah. at all, not at all. Not Just at get all. it on the internet; it's free. It's fine. Uh, um. I am going to talk briefly about monsters and other childish things. Which sounds like a setup to a joke, but continue. Have you heard of monsters and other childish things? Have I ever I talked to you not. about it? I saw this on the list and was like, I've never heard of this. This I already so, am into it though. So it is a it is a fun system. It's a very fun system. I've only ran the one like the one mini campaign of it. Very mini campaign mm-hmm. um, by a friend of, of the podcast, 
Nick from 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 Nocturne campaign fame. Hi, Nick. <laughs> um, and it basically everyone plays children, and uh, these children have imaginary friends, but unlike normal imaginary friends. These are actually eldritch abominations from from the like deep dark elder space. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And some of these, like, th- like I've seen someone po- post a picture of like um, Christopher Robin with a giant yellow grizzly bear that uh, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh versus. Uh, Calvin with a tiger that tops. It's like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's that's monsters and other childish things. You're going around, you're fighting other kids' imaginary monsters with your imaginary monsters, and it's great. Like, if the kid gets hurt, the monster gets hurt. So the monster has an invested interest in protecting the child, um, and you get to decide what kind of abilities your monster has. So much like everyone is john has kind of a loosey-goosey kind of thing for skills this has a loosey-goosey thing for abilities i had i when i played my character had an imaginary friend named eight ball and eight ball was essentially the collection of things under his bed (laughs) it had an eight ball for an eye and it had a blanket that covered it and had these huge sprawling wings made of towels and lots of tentacles and such um basically a monster typical like monster under the bed kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it had abilities including like seeing like almost like x-ray vision through the eight ball uh or reading people through it like that sort of thing it had also the simple ability of flight Mm -hmm. isn't something that you automatically get and another thing was it had a void like it could take things inside of it and it just be in an interdimensional space. <laughs> Wild. Um, and then, like, let me compare that to what David had. <laughs> Shout out to David. Shout out to David. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> Mr. Whippy. Oh, no. <laughs> I am already horrified. Mr. Whippy was essentially an ice cream truck. Um, that would follow us around as like a, a group of school. Like <laughs> well, each of the monsters had a way of like appearing when not like in active monster forms. Like I had the eight ball that my character would just carry around. Um, technically, Mister Whippy did also have that, where it, they would turn into a, a small toy ice cream truck. But for the majority of the time, they'd just be following us in an ice cream truck. <laughs> Oh my god, that's re- like that genuinely really ominous and creepy, and I hate it. And then the fact is, like, it had a person as well that you could talk to, like a large man with a mustache and like that old school, like yeah, 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 the, like, ice the, cream the man kind of thing. Yeah, And but David's whole ability thing was like fucking crash the ice cream truck into whatever we're fighting. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that this is a thing. It's great. Oh. You think that's terrifying? Another one I can remember is um no, I'm gonna say them all. So Felix had Dr. Professor Mandibles. 
Wait. It, okay, if you are a doctor and a professor, mm-hmm. which one comes first? I have no idea. But Doctor I'm professor... now going to Google this later. But continue, Doctor Doc... Professor Mandibles was a giant spider made out of metal. I was just gonna go you know what I'm gonna let that slide and then I couldn't I couldn't a spider made of metal also he speaks in a colonial British accent (laughs) it's like (laughs) (laughs) an important thing to talk about with monster childish things another thing that's fun this is an optional rule where you you have your child character Mm -hmm. but for your monster you swap each other, so everyone is playing each other's monsters. So I was playing Dr. Professor Mandibles. Like, I'd voice it like, oh, of course, good sir. I demand knowledge. Oh, yes, good, yes. Give me information, because everyone had an obsession as well, much like everyone's John. Like, that's another thing about the monsters. They all had something that they were really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mr. Whippy was interested in lollipop sticks, and 8-Ball was interested in stealing things. <laughs> just sure, in general not? and Dr. Professor Mandel is all about information and knowledge it's like yes of course give me the secret knowledge um, David played 8-Ball um, oh, oh Gavin play had a monster that was basically that the, 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 the baseball mascot oh what is the name of the baseball mascot <laughs> um it's the something maniac baseball. Oh, I thought you meant gritty. I was about to. No, that's hockey. I don't know the difference between the Philly fanatic. mascots. The Philly fanatic. Why? <laughs> You'd have to ask him. Um, I will. <laughs> that was just Gavin's monster, the Philly fanatic, and uh, Johnny. Johnny had the most terrifying of them all. Um, which was the large, just a, a, a man in an Easter Bunny costume holding a knife. Oh, I really... <laughs> like, all of, all of these are just awful. These are just our monsters. And then Nick has a bunch of monsters that we fought, and it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I recommend Monsters and Other Childish Things. I'm not going to get into the mechanics that much. It has some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that premise alone is enough, I think, to be like, no, this is this yeah. is great. Look it up and get I'm, into that. I'm into it, but also like, God no! I here's the thing: I'm into it. I don't think I could play it with the Nocturne group. Oh <laughs> yeah, but uh, also I now want to play it with the Nocturne group. Like I'm, I'm in that kind of that that sweet spot of being horrified but intrigued. <laughs> um. <laughs> Speaking of horrified but intrigued, <laughs> Call of Cthulhu, baby. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, um, Call of Cthulhu is one of the um, one of the games on this list that you may have heard of if you travel in RPG circles, or even if you don't, because Call of Cthulhu has a video game. Um, it I've also has. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. I just mean specifically, there is a video game that is supposed to be something of a representation of the board game experience Mini without RPG. the board game mechanics. Um, Mini RPG. Yes, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Brain fried. Um, so, 
Call of Cthulhu is a an RPG where you play as investigators hunting down the truth behind a mystery or behind a series of unfortunate events, as it were, usually in the 1920s, but there are various other settings available. Um, and spoiler alert, <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually something to do with Cthulhu and the mythos that H.P. Lovecraft created. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of it's it it is it is very much a horror game. It is uh, there one of your biggest stats is sanity, and there are very few ways to gain it back when you lose it. Um, I want to put out the cat the like the disclaimer that yes, yes, H.P. Lovecraft asshole, racist asshole. We don't stand for the guy. However, here's the thing. Yes. Here's the thing. The the company behind Call of Cthulhu, uh, Chaosium, um, openly acknowledge that H.P. Lovecraft is an absolute bellend. Yeah. They're fully... Uh, like, in this day and age, who doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they they openly acknowledge that, that his ideals and beliefs are shit. And as a result, there are some situations in the presentation of the game that if you stay faithful to the 1920s there are going to be problems like racism and sexism and and not being able to vote and and you know a myriad of issues because that is part of the base material yeah. however they enable you to put that stuff aside if you don't want to play with that stuff. Yeah. They encourage you to get your greasy little hands in there and mess it around. They are very much, and I agree with this in in, in a sense, um, H.P. Lovecraft would be horrified <laughs> by this RPG. Good. <laughs> he should be. But that but that's 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 what I mean. Like this is this is not a a a love song to H.P. Lovecraft. This is this is going. We like some of the shit that he made, but he's a dickhead, and we're gonna prove him wrong. Yeah, we're gonna do it on our terms, and I'm 110 percent here for that energy. Um, and the fact that it, it, it there are in in the source books, they they explicitly call it out and explicitly say, "Look, do not use this if you don't want to use this. Here's options for if you don't want to do that. Here's this. Here's that." You know. Something I want to say as well, though, on top of that, is that, okay, yes, 100%, Lovecraft kind of put, like, cosmic horror on the map. However, what I want to say on top of that is that he did not invent cosmic horror. Cosmic horror was always there. It was always something that humanity has had to deal with. Down to like people who suffer from lassophobia, to people who stare off in the deep, dark recesses of space and be like, "Oh no, <laughs> that that I is mean, something that we deal yeah, with," and that absolutely. is the same similar like what's going on with. It's that very human response to the unknown in the dark. Yeah, but he gave it a face, basically. When you stare at the and void. Tentacles. <laughs> When you stare into the void, the void stares back. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the RPG. <laughs> yeah, 
no, no, it's fine. It, I, I think it's important to say because, like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, a dick. Um, but they're they're very open about that, and and that's one of the things that I love about them. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that Chaosium is not without its own problems mm-hmm. because they have problems. I, <laughs> I just just putting that out there. They're not, they're not super great themselves, but. It isn't reflected in their work. Right. Um, the mechanics are a little more involved than other things on my list. Um, it's a it's a little bit more detailed. It's a D100 system. So basically your stats are out of 100 and you want to roll. Oh, do you want to beat or not? I can't remember whether you have to beat it or not. It's been a while since I've run it. Um, but you roll a D100 and... and Sometimes rolling a 69 is... Well, always rolling a 69 is funny, but sometimes it's good. Um, uh, but since you essentially you play an investigator and what that looks like is down to you, basically. There's many different quote-unquote classes, mm-hmm. but it's more in the style of that's just the job you do. So if you are by day a journalist you might be better at finding clues because you know what to look for because you've chased stories before. If you are a teacher, you might be better at talking to people because you're used to talking and explaining ideas to young people and therefore you can get people on side. You get different benefits from different backgrounds. Um, But none of you are particularly well-skilled in terms of fighting off cosmic horrors. And that's kind of the beauty of it is you are not an overpowered hero. You're just an idiot in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) Um, You just rocked up a lighthouse and boy, howdy, things have gone wrong. Uh, And also, uh, there's a lot of fish people. There's a lot of fish people. people. I've played in, in, in two games of Call of Cthulhu. And in both games, there were fish people. And I'm like... I feel like we're being attacked specifically by fish people right now. <laughs> um, but it is very good. It is, um, like I say, it's it's one of the, in terms of the mechanics, it's a little bit more involved. Uh, but I would absolutely recommend if you are interested in kind of horror, you are interested in that kind of like not necessarily being superheroes kind of content. Yeah. This is a very, very good system for that. Um, I I will say it does tend to be on the more serious side. Yeah, but that's the tone of which you can just GMs vary. Yeah, GMs vary. I will say in in my experience, which again isn't great, but I'm I know in my city there is um, a a well established like you know twenty thirty year old group of people you know, group that's been going that long of people who play Call of Cthulhu on the regular, who that for them, this is like, this is serious, serious stuff. <laughs> like, and like, you know, more play to them. Like, just absolutely. Um, I couldn't do that simply because I'm not, I don't feel experienced enough in the game to be able yeah. to take it that seriously. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, I feel like I there's know. a level of that. Uh, which actually, it's funny how you have you don't have on the list, but it's similar vein to Vampire the Masquerade. Like certain people, are Vampire like, the Masquerade was sixth on my list. <laughs> okay, but like <laughs> people, people get really into that RPG. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I think, in fairness, I think for Vampire the Masquerade, I mean the fact that it is a, it is more of a social deception type yeah. RPG lends itself to that kind of more serious, quote unquote, serious role play. Yeah. Again, your GMs may vary. You can absolutely play it silly, but it's not even me. They will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you, yeah, if you're looking for something that's a a little less slapstick and a little more oh god my leg's been sworn off call of cthulhu is it hey speaking of horrors beyond the realm of of reasoning death in space <laughs> <laughs> death in space is a very recent release rpg uh that is a space horror not really that horror, but like there is a horror aspect. It's also kind of like a punk, cyberpunk-ish kind of thing going on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, horror is optional, but the fact that it's more of like, hey, space is incredibly deadly and is actively trying to kill you kind of thing going on. Because right? that, let's face it, to quote uh, Star Trek Strange New World, like, man, space is really trying to kill us today. <laughs> like... <laughs> That is a thing that astronauts have to deal with on the constant. Uh, and it's fascinating having that as an RPG. I enjoy it simply because it's like um, just combat is meant to be lethal. Com- mm-hmm. Like you're not meant to survive. Player characters don't have like, like the pa- character progression isn't, isn't like this super long complex thing. The system isn't complex either. You can make a new character they even made a website to make a new character with a push of a button. Amazing. And that's all you need. You can just keep going. Uh, now that I say that, I'm going to bring that up. And just talk about how easy it is. Uh, death bulletin board system. That's what you have to Google to get it. Uh you not only can render a new character, you can also print the page, uh, but it just makes everything that you need for that new character. So even if you're playing the game, like, oh, character died, I need a new character, just go to this website, press new character, you have one. Whoops, Done. You do. Amazing. Uh, you take as little as much, they're like, oh, you got eight hit points, and there's only four ability scores, body, dexterity, savvy, and tech. It's all plus zeros, and, and I think it's only up to two. I mean, you'd roll a d4 for your stats. <laughs> um, you choose your origin. You have an origin benefit. It's all meant to be fast and loose, and you're probably not going to survive long. But it's a lot of fun. I recommend it. I will talk more about it probably in the future when, when we get around to playing more of it. Yeah. I I I'm I'm down to play. I mean, you know me. I'll, I'm a cheap tart. I'll show up to anything. But, uh, yeah, it sounds fascinating, but also terrifying. <laughs> in that, I had oh, God, I had the been... issue of like because one of the things in the game is you choose whether you want a ship or a station, and mm-hmm. I tried to set up a game. It didn't go anywhere as some games tend to do, uh, where like they chose station. And I'm like, okay, now I have to do a campaign around uh, an immobile station. Cool. Let's figure that out. And I I know, I know it is uh, easier than I 
made it for myself. It's literally just like I've always saying, it's cannibalizing cannons. You figure mm-hmm. it out from there. But it is, I think, more difficult to come up with a, a story for a station that doesn't go anywhere than it is to go for a ship that goes. It's the equivalent of Deep Space Nine versus the Enterprise. Yeah. The like the 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 tension and the drama has to come to the station. The station can't go to the drama and the tension. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Like you, it also it feels kind of like Gildas in control of the drama. Yeah, that's coming because you can you if you know that there's like a planet over there or a space station over there, you can go. Oh, I want to go to that one. Whereas. Mm-hmm. With it coming to you, it's like, oh god, we just have to deal with this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I just have to put up with this nonsense. Hell yeah. Um. Uh. Completely unrelated to that, I don't have a segue for this one. Um. This this game, boy howdy. Technically, this I'm cheating because this one isn't technically an RPG. <gasps> technically, it's a card game. Oh my god. But you know what? I'm going to put it in anyway because I love this game so much. Um, This is a game called For the Queen. Um, It is a card-based collaborative world-building game. Um, You have a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. Not a regular deck of cards. It's a very specific deck of cards. Uh, A deck of cards. uh, 14 cards in one deck. And the rest of the cards in another deck. Okay. Uh, doesn't matter how many people you have around the table, you all sit around the table, you know, literal or digital, and you pull one card from the deck of 14, and on the other side is a picture of a queen. Okay. And that is your queen. And then you start to pull, going around the table, you start to pull from the other deck, and on every card is a question. Uh-huh. Um, such as... Your queen made you feel valued once. What was the thing that she said that made you feel valued? And how did that change your relationship with her? Mm-hmm. And you just start answering the questions. And between you, you use those answers to build up your characters, your queen... And the world around you. And you keep going until you get to a card that says the queen is being attacked. Do you save her or do you let her die? And that's the last question. And you just go around and you answer that question um, and, and figure out from how many people help the queen and how many people don't exactly (laughs) what happens. Um, The setup is that you and 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 your fellow adventurers, quote unquote adventurers, are all part of the queen's entourage, and she is traveling. Okay. And, and and you're answering the questions to build the world around that. So there's, um, there is an enemy country, but you build up who that is and why you're at war with them, and and whether you're actively at war with them, and whether this is like a. A negotiation situation or whether they're actually on pretty good terms with them <laughs> um some of the questions are more specific about the individual characters some of the questions are more specific about the queen some are specific about the world setting 
but you answer the question and then everyone else at the table can ask you about your answer and build on it and expand on it it's very fun (laughs) you're just like the hell it is very fun it is one of my favoritest games to play um and i've only played it four times But genuinely, every time I've played it, it's been so much fun. And I think it's partly because, like, you know... I, I find it interesting you can buy it on Roll20. Yeah, I've only played it on Roll20. I've never played it in real life. Okay. Interesting. Um, interesting. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is never the same thing twice. The art for the queens is gorgeous. Like, genuinely just absolutely stunning art. And you can have really interesting juxtapositions. Like there's there's an art there's one of the cards is just this really like friendly looking queen with like a pet dog and everything and, and all this stuff. And we turned her into one of the most awful, awful people. <laughs> she was just like the most toxic person. Um and then there's ones where, you know, the queen's kind of like shrouded in mystery and hideous and she was like the most kind hearted, you know, she was blind, but she, you know, sense the goodness in people blah 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 um but yeah it's absolutely fascinating it's never the same thing twice even with the same people because you might have a different queen you might have a different approach to your character like it is you bring to the table everything about this game the only thing that is provided are the questions and a picture and a picture doesn't mean anything you can build off that till the cows come home hell yeah um I also think it is a really good world-building tool in itself just to have. If you are considering, as as, as somebody who is world-building, whether that's for another RPG like Dungeons & Dragons or whether you're world-building for like a story or a book, if you have a queen, maybe consider using it to build that world around her. Think of the questions that you might not necessarily immediately think of when you think of a monarchy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's hands down. Like I would have put this at number one, but technically it's a card game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's one of the, I do want to, I haven't played it in uh, quite a long time. I think the last time I played it was pre pandemic. Um, And I, I would love, love, love to play it again. And the advantage of it being so collaborative is you don't really have a GM. Mm. It's just it's it's de- it's entirely deck led because it's just questions. And one of my favoriteest things is it has an X card as part of the deck. We always lo- we love an X card. We love safety tools. That but yeah, they literally just go hey boom safety tool straight off the bat. Like if there's something that if there's a, a question that you don't want to answer, you don't feel comfortable answering, boom throw it away. Pick another question. So, but yeah, it's great. It's called For the Queen. It's um, available from Evil Hat Productions as either a physical deck or as a Roll20 deck. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, So, speaking of world building... (laughs) (laughs) See, I can segue for days. Uh, Let's talk about Unbound. Hell yeah! Now, unlike... All the other RPGs I've mentioned so far. This is one that both of us have played. Well, Yay! I have ran. I have not, I've never actually bloody played. I've ran it, though. Um, 
Unbound. Uh, I could have also used a segue of like speaking of a card game. <laughs> yeah, this is this is pretty deck led. Yeah, Unbound. Uh, it's another. It's it is an RPG. I want to preface that it is an RPG by Grant Howitt. It is not a one-page RPG. There are many pages. Many it many pages on this one. An entire book. Uh, I decided for some reason arbitrarily that I wasn't going to have this list be all Grant Howitt, but we'll we'll talk about the other RPGs, uh, Spire and Heart, another day when I actually get some of those games going. Mm-hmm. But for now, we'll put, talk about Unbound. Uh, it is a card-based RPG, so you need a deck of cards, a deck of normal playing cards. You do not roll any dice in the game. Um, I would also like to 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 add in, you need a deck of cards each. Yeah, each. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the way the game works is everyone world builds at the beginning. There is no setting... Before the game starts, there's no plot, there's no characters, you just all get together on the first session zero and you make all that up uh, from what is called touchstones. So touchstones is like a table of random words, not just any random words, but like words that will invoke kind of the ideas that you want to like pursue. And then there's a number of ways you can go about it. You can do this even outside of Unbound for your own purposes of world building. And you draw a card from your deck and that gives you one of these words. And you do this four times and you have a set of four words that you just make a world out of. Uh, a way, a popular way of doing this is having each player do it for their own individual and they kind of pitch their own world and then collectively we add or subtract from those and we decide which one we want to play it's a Mm -hmm. lot of fun uh i have ran unbound twice the first time we had music vampires versus um sound police (laughs) Mm -hmm. and yeah, I heard that was very. It was it was a little disco heavy. Yeah, I believe it. the The city's name was Disco City, amazing. San Francisco. I think it was the name of the city. San Francisco, <laughs> amazing. San Francisco PD, I believe it was called. Uh, and then the second game that I ran was the one that Rin was in, was Venture into the Dust, and it was kind of a Dune esque like setting. It was post-apocalyptic. Mad Max meets Dune meets bugs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bugs. Um, I I I can tell you the five touchstones that we had. Go ahead. From that game, we had zeppelins, mm-hmm. we had dust, mm-hmm. we had bugs, yep. we had doors, and yep. we had no more magic. Yeah, and he made a world from that. And, and we made great. a whole world from that, and and genuinely, uh, just just uh, this wild west esque, post apocalyptic, giant bugs everywhere. We all lived in the sky. It was a grand old time. <laughs> great. Everyone was a mutant kind of oh, yeah. bug related thing. Uh, you had to deal with the fact that. Breathing in the dust was going to make you worse as a mutant. There mm-hmm. were people going around called husks who were too far gone. Uh, 
everyone was not trusting each other. It was great. It was. It there was... were there were mutant uh, mutant bug kaiju. Yep. There were trains. There was Mothra, but it wasn't Mothra, but it was. We yeah. all know. <laughs> uh, and then there was um, that time that they discovered that the dust can actually be spoken to, and it wasn't ang- happy at oh, all. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> God. That that time we were tripping balls. Yeah. yeah. That was a, <laughs> it was a great old time. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an absolutely wonderful setting and a wonderful game. Um, but that's not the interesting part for me. Yeah. It is interesting, but that's not mm-hmm. the interesting part. What is the interesting part? Oh, the interesting part was at the beginning of every game, we would have to come up with things that we wanted to do in that game. Yes. Yes. And that is the, the how you grew your character. That is like yeah, it's how you earned experience. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. basically like these are the things that I want to accomplish. And it's kind of setting up the scenes in the game. So in, in literally, like the GM technically doesn't have to prep. They just have to show up and be like, all right, what do you guys want to do? We'll do these things. Yeah, these these are the things that narratively will happen in this session. But it was it was collaborative in the sense that you would come up with something that you wanted your character to do. And then the rest of the group would agree on something that they wanted your character to do. Yeah. And they would be your two, like the two things that, that you were aiming for to happen, basically. So whether that was like you wanted to learn a piece of information, or whether you wanted to encounter something, or whether you wanted to like face someone from your past, um, or to, in our case, mutate. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. Um, you know, they they were things that like that made sense in character for as as events that would either happen to them or that they would be actively pursuing um but it but it had that kind of you were kind of interested in in seeing what everyone else thought you should be pursuing or wanted to do or wanted to see you go through yeah. thanks lads um <laughs> <laughs> point it's is fine. Undyne's a very just fun game. Some trauma, it's fine. It's the fine. Ca- the card system is a bit weird. Most a lot of people aren't used to it, but uh, once you get going, I think, and especially uh, it works better. I feel in person than it would online. Yeah. Um, due to the fact that it it is card based instead of dice based, and our roll twenty isn't built for that sort of thing. Uh, and Unbound yeah. seems to be the kind of game that like. Yeah, it's it's built for that in-person kind of system. That so kind of energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, it was like you, if a decision had to be made, you would have to meet or beat. You basically you, you'd pull you draw a yeah. card against the, the GM, and if you meet or beat it, you win. Yeah, and it's that simple. Pull, <laughs> if you pull the face card, you crit. <laughs> yeah, if you pull the face card, you crit. Also, there's certain effects that change the cards in your hand. Yeah. So, like, it has to be a deck of cards that you're willing to draw on. Yeah, that is literally. an important thing to mention. Like, if something happens to you because of the, like, as a consequence of that card, like, you got, like, a scar or something, or, like, something really positive happened as a result, like, you you met, you met your goal you would then write that on the card and then that would have effects later down the line if you draw that card against the GM. It reminds me of uh, the the legacy versions of board games. 
Mm. When you play the board game repeatedly and things that happened in the previous game happen to affect what's happening in the current game. That's what Unbound feels like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it's, has, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. Heck yeah. Um, 10 out of 10 would, would, would dick about in the dust again. <laughs> and I guess in other settings too, but you gotta yeah. have a special. I'm gonna force you to, to run on that at some point. <laughs> I will. I will run on that at some point. Um, okay. My last game in a in a shock twist that nobody saw coming is Monster of the Week. <laughs> um, I've mentioned Monster of the Week in the past. Probably. Uh, but um, fun fact, I've only run Monster of the Week once. For all of the talk that I, that I, that I bring to the table. <laughs> you I've played it a lot one. more. So. I played it a lot, true. Um, I've only run it once, and it was the first game I ever ran on stream. And it was for someone's birthday. <laughs> you know, no pressure or anything. Had I read the book beforehand? Nope. <laughs> That's not how we do things in this house. Um... So, for those of you unfamiliar, Monster of the Week is an episodic style game that dabbles in the supernatural. Uh, think Monster of the Week TV shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like Supernatural. Um, those kind of game uh, shows, it's just that, but as an RPG. Yeah. Basically, you go around solving spooky mysteries. Um, as as whether you are the Slayer or just a regular old Steve Harrington, that is entirely up to you. It's it's interesting. It's a combination of the horror provided by Call of Cthulhu with the fragility of the characters from Kids on Bikes. <laughs> In the sense that you can and will get hurt. Yeah if you fight things head on. It is very much an encouragement not to do that. And honestly, yeah, don't fucking do it. Like, why would you? Why would you? Jeez Louise. Um, as, as far as tone goes, it is as varied as the TV shows it pulls inspiration from. Like, your GMs can and will vary at the, at the drop of a fucking hat. Like, I have had, I have seen games that have been very kind of horror oriented and heavy, and I have seen games that have just been a comedy of errors. <laughs> I have been in games that have been a comedy of errors, um, and I have, and, and I've been in games that have been a mix of the two, and and they've all been fantastic and and just super enjoyable. It is a two D six system. And success is very clearly marked out. So, like, you can succeed, but there will be consequences. Or you can fail, but something good will still happen. Um, and having those yes, but moments can really twist a story on its head. Plus, it's mostly about cryptids, and who doesn't fucking love Mothman? You know? Hey, Mothman! Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I've played a lot of Monster of the Week. Um, shout out to uh, Bobo 
the the forever keeper of monster of the week um but uh yeah it's just it's it's one of those games that that's just it has so much variety in it like the 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 basic setup for it is very simple but you can go just way off map with it if you want to and it's a lot of fun and just I just love it. I just love it a lot. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Hell yeah. I have one last game on my list. Tell me your last game on your list. It is Stars Without Number. <laughs> so, interesting that you say, when we're talking about Monster of the Week, how, like, um, combat, you will die. <laughs> So that number has that in common. It is very much uh, a system designed. N- like there is combat rules, there is combat thing. You can get into fights. It is a science fiction RPG, unlike Death in Space, where death is just a factor. So that number is more like, hey, yeah, death's a factor, but like that's not the focus here. If you're in a fight, something's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's something gone wrong in an interesting way that progresses the story. Uh, the idea is more like it's based on old school D anD. d That's that's where it gets its its origins from, and uh, it's where I got my uh, my what I've mentioned before, the um, culture skill. The ability to be like, hey, I know a guy. A role for seeing if you know a guy. Oh, I do. Yeah. That's good. Another feature of Stars Out Number that I'll mention is the fact that that thing you were talking about with um, Unbound, having goals set out before the game, That mm-hmm. has, that's a thing in Stars Out Number as well, where you choose what are the things that you wish to accomplish. And depending on what they are um, is what your experience is for that session. As in, like, the difficulty of you accomplishing that task is how much experience you get for it. It's a good time. Amazing. It's also very much... Uh, like it has so many interesting facets and things. I want to run it. I've only ever played it. Mm-hmm. I just want to play it more. Um, <laughs> I have Worlds About Number, which uses the same system, and I'll get to running it one day. I just have to get through the book first. <laughs> uh, it's a big book. It is a big book. The fact that, okay, so one of my favorite features of that system is the faction turn. Have I talked about the faction turn before, Red? I feel like you have, but possibly not on the podcast, so let's go. Yeah, so the faction turn is the idea that when you're out and about as a party, going around, doing adventures, accomplishing goals, having downtime, etc., what are the bad guys doing? What are all the <laughs> factions and all those organizations? Because, like, in most games, it's just they're reactive. They're like, the players show up. Ah, you curse you, throw Thunderbolt. Get out of here. That oh. sort of thing. Yeah? The faction turn is a literal mechanic in the game in Stars Out Number where you decide what the factions are doing exactly as whatever the players are doing. The bad guys are still doing things in the background. Yeah, they're still they, you know, they're living their lives. They're, they're living they're their lives. Happen. And so, with the faction turn, you do it every few sessions. 
you have the benefit of then being like, oh, I can mention this in like a newscast in the background. This is just something you have to deal with now. This is just a, a, a news outlet like, oh, such and such was assassinated because in the fashion term, one of the fashions assassinated someone else's leader. Like, yeah, no, that's a thing in the news now because that's come out. Uh, every now and again, the players will intermingle with what the fashion term said. And it kind of gives you a blueprint as to what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. And I want to implement that more into things. I love it. It lets the players know, like, yeah, no, you can do whatever you want. The bad guys can do whatever they want, too. They're not just going to sit on their butts and wait for you to show up. They're going to try and do their goals. And if you sit there and let them do it, they're going to keep doing it. So you're going to have to do something to impede their progress. It's like the idea that the world doesn't revolve around you. It is a living, breathing thing that keeps going. Exactly. I love that. That's great. Hell yeah. And Swords of Number in general is an open world type setting. It's got uh, tables for days. Like even Worlds of Number, it's like like lots and lots and lots of roll tables, so that no matter what happens, there's something that can just be dragged up out of nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great time. I highly recommend it. I'll put it on the list. Wow, you've already put it on the list, but I'll put it <laughs> on my list. <laughs> list of things to run and play. Oh god, that list is so long. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, that sums up our top five each. Heck yeah, RPGs. we even managed to slip some honorable mentions in there. Yes, they were all Grant Howard. Don't fucking judge us. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you have been inspired by any of these games, um, go out and find them and play them because they're great. But then come back and tell us about it. We've got an email. We've got a Discord. We've got Twitter. Just hit us up. All links in the beacon below. Also, fuck Fantasy Lions. Fuck Fantasy Jesus, that was it. Fuck Fantasy Jesus might be in the merch store. I don't know. We'll we'll see how spicy I'm feeling later on. (laughs) Fuck Fantasy Lions is an entirely different... uh, An entirely different um, (laughs) t-shirt. Might also be in the merch store. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, uh, that's been episode 44. Hey. Our top five other RPGs. I've been Glaive slash Danny slash whatever the heck you want to call me. And I've been V slash fella slash rain slash three dogs in a trench coat. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time. This has been Canalizing the Cannon. Hey. Bye. Bye.